This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Chris Zegna, joined alongside by 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And where to begin? we got a busy week and a busy show. It feels like it's been forever, but we're going to lead off with the number one player in the country in the class of 2024. Two, drum roll please, what a big surprise, the Georgia Bulldogs, Dylan Rayola, Son of Dominic Rayola. It's been a roller coaster recruitment, former commit to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now going to be playing his ball for Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll talk about that. LSU also gets a big in state commitment last night. Andrew and I will recap the Elite 11 Atlanta Regionals. Also, Andrew made a little trip to the DMV to check out the UA Combine up there with our friend Brian Doan. So a lot to get to today. Drew, I believe I saw you with a tank top on before <laughs> you made the change to a T-shirt. Is that true? Yeah, I was rocking a, uh, a Florida Atlantic team-issued tank top, and I, I didn't think that was appropriate for the podcast. I, I can't believe you saw me actually changing that. <laughs> A lot of Globo Gym vibes right there. Yeah, I, I mean, I walked the dog in it, but I did not want you to <laughs> bring it up on the podcast. And here we are, 90 seconds in, and you're talking about my tank top. Hey, we're friends for, man. I liked it. It was it was a little <laughs> exotic. I thought you were going to watch it on the show. There's some rumors out there. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but there's some rumors out there that we might be on video soon, maybe on the YouTube channel. I thought you were trying out a new look, which I would have loved. I think we should be you change it up a little bit, get in the space, you know, be uh, be the icebreakers out here. But Drew, talk to me a little bit. You've been busy. You, you had a trip to Baltimore like we talked about. I was in Atlanta. Things are kind of winding down, uh, at least from an Elite 11 regional standpoint, as we approach the Elite 11 finals in Los Angeles coming up in a couple of weeks. So, Drew, how was your weekend? Talk to me a little bit about life, a little bit about football. What we got? I mean, it was good to get back out on the on the road, and we're going to get into the Under Armour Regional here in a little bit. But uh, I got a few spring games this week. Thankfully, uh, the hockey gods have lined it up where it works perfectly for my schedule. I can watch my Florida Panthers. I can get out to some games. Uh, once we're done with this podcast, I got about a four-hour drive ahead of me. I'm going to go see Booker Pickett in Tampa, IMG Academy on Wednesday night. Uh, Jameer Grimsley on Friday night. So it is, um, it's full go. And then that's going to go right into the Elite 11 finals, OT7. It's a fun time of the year. I, I like getting out 
and seeing guys. I like interacting with college coaches. Um, and right, you know, like the tape is always going to be kind of the baseline, but why do we have this spring evaluation period? I, I can't tell you how many phone calls I get where a coach will go by a school and they're like, yeah, this is not what we thought he was. You know, he doesn't look like this, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, on huddle or, or a combine setting. It, it's just so important to go, I think, size up individuals and, and get around them. So I enjoy that aspect. I, I, I don't know about you, Cooper. I mean, I, I think it's it's unique about this industry and it's unique when it comes to scouting. Is there an example that you would have from the 2023 cycle? I know one off the top of my head for you in particular and I'll say it for you so we don't play this guessing game. But for us, we loved Keon Keeley on tape. But there was this big question mark. Nobody had ever seen him. Right. He was the Eddie. Correct. And you got to go see him live and in person. And I think that pretty much solidified the way that we had felt about him and the conviction that we had off of the tape. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I, you want it, you want to check off as many boxes as you can, right? This is an information gathering business. Um, and, and you want your eyes to to match up with what you think about a certain individual. So yeah, that was, that was a big one. That was like, I think almost a year to the date when that happened, uh, when I went and saw Keon Keeley and then fast forward to the all American bowl. And he was, he was kind of the dude. And we even had the context where it's like, hey, I saw him, you know, eight months prior and he's taken this much more, you know, this big of a step in that amount of time. And then that gets your mind kind of churning. All right. What's he going to do once he's getting coached up by the best of the best and, and eating the best and, and lifting the best and uh, just with his mindset? He is who we thought he was. All right, Drew, let's get to it. The news you talked about it yesterday. I mean, it seems because Arch Manning obviously because of the bloodlines, how much attention Arch Manning got throughout the process. It kind of – Dylan Rayola's recruitment kind of put it in perspective, right? Because although we knew that Dylan Rayola had been trending to Georgia for quite some time, after he pulls the trigger yesterday, the response to it compared to what we saw last year in the number one player, just not the, not the same, but still equally important for a team that's won – two consecutive national championships. Your first impressions on Dylan Rayola to Georgia? Um, well, we did the emergency podcast. I feel like we've been preparing content for that commitment for like three weeks now. Uh, it was in the chamber. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. And all the credit to Steve Wiltfong, the, the director of, uh, rec uh, of recruiting for 24-7 sports. I mean, he was all over that thing. And um, so I'm going to go in a different direction here. And um I've said I, I've I've ran this through a few different people. Hopefully, I can I, I can put my my thoughts and and words and, and write this. But I think this signals kind of a shift with not not a shift in the philosophy at Georgia, but it makes them a little bit scarier. And what do I mean by that? Right? You know, the past few years, Georgia, it, the you know the machine has been on the defensive side of the ball. On offense, you know, they've done enough to obviously win back-to-back -back national championships, but they haven't got the best of the best. And I, I think this stats, this stat I'm going to throw out, got to credit uh, the 24-7 sports research department. You know, Kirby Smart, the past two recruiting cycles, has signed nine five-stars, right? In his entire tenure at Georgia, they've only signed eight five-stars, okay? Now you have Dylan Rayola, and obviously – 
He's a polarizing talent, our number one quarterback, our number one overall recruit. But I think with Dylan Rayola, he's the type of recruit that other recruits want to play with. And what I'm getting at is I think this makes Georgia more attractive to the blue chip wide receivers, the guys like Jeremiah Smith, who's committed to Ohio State. We've talked about him in Florida in the past. He's going to visit Athens this week, I think, on an official visit. I, I believe I know he's going to Athens. I don't know if that's an official or unofficial. I, and I say that because I know he's got a state track meet this upcoming weekend. I don't know what day he runs. Uh, and then you got Ryan Wingo, right? And then you got Jaden Riddell, uh, a bunch of different offensive talent. So to me, like we keep talking about it. This has been a theme of the show really since we've started, you know, G Georgia's defense isn't going to drop off based on the guys we've seen them signed. And I think what's scary is now they got this quarterback, that can attack the deeper third, right, with a, a a rocket for an arm. And he's a guy that's going to go and try to peer recruit some of the best wide receivers. And, and really, you know, the last five-star wideout that Georgia signed was George Pickens, okay? Like, they, they haven't been getting the best of the best there. And if you don't believe me, they just went and got two veterans out of the transfer portal to come in and kind of, you know, turn around that wide receiver room or, or, or toss an influx of talent. So I think that's what I think that's what the big picture takeaway is here. It's like, look, man, Georgia, we know they're going to be fine on defense. You know, are they going to turn the corner on the offensive side of the ball? I love the breakdown from a X's and O's standpoint. You know, the other the other part I brought up yesterday and I I, I tweeted it out and I said, you know, I thought this was an ideal fit for Dylan Rayola and people you know, the, the obvious response there is that the number one prospect in the country is going to be an ideal fit just about anywhere, any program that you put him. But think about Mike Bobo's offense. And if you're not familiar with it, I would say expect some slight adaptations from what we saw from Todd Munkin, who is now the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. It's a NFL pro style offense with some college adaptations to it some college nuance but it's an under center play action offense as well that's going to rely heavily on the run game and then we know the complementary talent that he's going to have in the tight end room and Andrew I think you said it I would have to go back and I, I would have to dig a little bit more on Georgia the last few years in terms of explosive plays in the vertical passing game to me that's what Dylan Rayola gives you not only because the the arm is evident, it's apparent, but his ability to extend plays, I think, is a trait of his that we don't talk about enough. I brought up the name Ben Roethlisberger. Big Dylan ben, Rayola is 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 the son of Dominic Rayola, and when you get around Dylan Rayola, I mean, he is two hundred and twenty five pounds plus. He is sturdy, and he has a frame that he is not an easy guy to bring down in the pocket. So you combine that with his athleticism. He's a nimble athlete. He can extend plays. He can get outside the pocket, and he can play off platform. I think that's going to be an opportunity for Georgia and Mike Bobo in, in, in that Bulldogs offense to take advantage of some opportunities down the field in the passing game. We don't have to go too much on Georgia here, but I think you do need to bring up the fact that they also have another quarterback committed in this 2024 class, Ryan Puglisi, kid out of the New England area. And Cooper, you were on the college football recruiting show Monday night. I hosted it, and I thought you brought up an interesting topic. Like, don't forget about Ryan Puglisi. And 
you know, at, at, I'm going to tee you up here, but you basically said Georgia's going to play the best of the best, right? That's that's what it is. That's why we see kids leave the, leave the program, go elsewhere, and, and find success. It's, it's a dog-eat-dog world there in Athens. And I, I think if P- they can keep Puglisi, excuse me, I'm just going to call him Pugga, they keep Pugga committed, right? Like, I, I, you know, buy buy some shares in that stock, right? Is that you know? I think that that's what you teased on the recruiting show. I think that's notable, and I'm going to say a couple different reasons why. Because this is what I'm thinking, and I think a lot of people are scared to say it. Dylan Rayola, we can talk about the talent. We just spent the last four or five minutes talking about the talent and the upside that he brings to a place like Georgia. Dylan Rayola is going to be on his third high school program in three years. Now, that might be circumstantial. There might be reasons for that. But if I'm on the other side of of the curtain here in a building, that's a big question mark for me. Maybe it's not a red flag, but that's something that you have to do your due diligence on. And you're trying to ask questions and get to the bottom of that. Why is this player at his third high school in three years. And Andrew, you and Emily brought up on on the college football recruiting show yesterday about Jacob Eason and are there similarities? And I kind of went away from the play style. Well, to point out real quick, Jacob Eason, last five-star quarterback Georgia signed. You want to say west of the Mississippi, right? From the West Coast footprint. We'll yeah, say okay. that. Yeah. And to me, I think, you know, what you just brought up with Ryan Puglisi, I mean, we, we look at the notable five stars at the quarterback position that have played under Kirby Smart. You start with Jacob Eason. And sure, it might have been an injury that derailed him to, to really kind of open the pathway for Jacob Fromm, but he was never able to seize control back of that position. And then you look at Justin Fields, Jacob Fromm, Another guy that he could not overcome. Justin Fields goes to Ohio State. We know the story there. And then Stetson Bennett with JT Daniels. So the the, the point being is Kirby Smart, Todd Munkin, Mike Bobo, they have a history of saying, okay, regardless of the expectations of you coming into this program, we're going to play the best player that gives us the best opportunity to win a national championship because that's the expectation. So it's a double-edged sword. You, uh, uh, The expectations are for Dylan Rayola. Like, to me, he doesn't have to be Superman. He doesn't have to wear a cape every snap. That's the interesting part about the number one prospect in the country at the quarterback position going to a place where they are expected to win national championships year in and year out now. And from a talent acquisition standpoint, nobody is in better position over the long haul to sustain what George has done the last two consecutive years than Kirby smart squad. So it's a, it's a really interesting it's a really interesting situation to me unfolding with Dylan Rayola, and we'll see what happens again because I don't. George is one of those rare places where you can plug in a Stetson Bennett. I'm not trying to take anything away from him or a Jake Fromm, and you really just need somebody to say, "Hey, continue to move the sticks, minimize mistakes." Yeah, don't don't turn the football over. Correct. Don't be a superhero. 
Yeah. Well, last thing I'll say on Rayola, we do think he's the type of talent where if you needed him to be a superhero one game, he's certainly capable. 25 draft picks over the last two years, most in NFL history. And I'll, I'll just leave it at that, right? So what they expect out of the quarterback position, I think, is is different than everywhere else. Our Drew LSU on the board. This was a um, – you keep using this word, but an interesting recruitment. Former Colorado commit Jawan Johnson out of Lafayette, Louisiana. He's ranked the number 28 athlete per 24-7 sports. He commits to LSU and Brian Kelly late Monday night. Plays quarterback at uh, at Lafayette Christian. Going to play defensive back for the Tigers. We'll we'll see whether he's going to be a corner or a safety there. But Drew, your your initial thoughts on on Jawan Johnson to LSU, and I guess big picture wise, how do you feel about LSU? I know you just uh, assigned a grade on the progress report. <laughs> I did. Yeah, that was fun. Um, <laughs> I like the take. I, I think LSU kind of. They're, they do their homework on the in-state kids, and then once they want them, it's kind of game over, right? It feels like we're getting back to that here under Brian Kelly in year two. Eighth commitment from the state of Louisiana for the Tigers in this cycle, and uh, I like Juwan Johnson. I always thought it was kind of a weird fit uh, at Colorado, and again, I, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from what Dion is trying to build out there in, in Boulder, but um, Louisiana is a lot different than 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 Colorado. And I, I like the, the, the tape. I mean, he's a, a, a fun, I'm going to use steal your term here, fun player, right? Uh, a lot of him just running around at quarterback, but you see the short area quickness. I, I like DBs that have that background uh, in terms of being a signal caller. Uh, I think it allows for them to, it, you know, see those, see the instincts, diagnose plays. So uh, yeah, we'll see where he lines up, but um, certainly a, a notable addition for the Tigers, who are number five in the rankings as at the time of this taping. I wanted to bring that up. They have 15 commitments right now sitting in the middle of May. And I wonder where they were last year at this time in terms of number of commitments. They just seem ahead of schedule. Like There's not that many question marks going into the season, right? You're coming off a 10-win season. State of the program seems to be in the best shape since 2019. Right. Seems like he 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 knows their identity and what they want to be, and it seems like Drew, to your point, they have 15 commitments. Eight of them are from Louisiana, and there's a little bit of I don't want to say a relief, but there's more confidence in Brian Kelly from the homegrown prospects. I mean, if if this 24/7 Sports database is correct. They only officially tripped nine Louisiana kids last year on OVs. <laughs> and they got eight committed here in the in the 2024 cycle. I mean, just completely different philosophy. It seems more it seems more like a traditional LSU approach. What I mean by that, you have eight players in the state of Louisiana, three from Texas, and, and Texas has been really good to LSU over the years. Two from Georgia, one from Florida, and one from Ohio, and, and Tavion Galloway. Last year, if you look at the approach, Maryland, Minnesota, Missouri, Nevada, Ohio, right outside of Louisiana, Texas, Georgia, and Florida. So a little bit more of a national approach, which 
to be expected, right? Some some right. relationships I mean, yeah, that yeah. carry over from Notre Dame, right? right? So not a huge shock there. But LSU, Brian Kelly, nonetheless, continue their upward trajectory on the recruiting trail. Certainly going to be a team to watch this year. A lot of expectations on the field. Drew, we're going to just bring it up one more time. First week of the season, Florida State, LSU, in Orlando. Is that the only week one game where you feel like, are regardless of the result, this might be a a matchup of two teams that are certainly expected to be in play for a, a college football playoff appearance. I think the my theory on these standalone games early in the season, where the entire country is going to be watching, which they will be, is man, it can give you a, sh a shot of life on the recruiting trail. You have all the momentum, you know, if, if you win that game and. It's so early in the season that I don't think it, you know, deters your goals or anything like that. I, you know, it's not like you're off to an zero and four start. It's certainly a setback, but no, that is that's that's it's going to be just like it was last year. I mean, Florida State parlayed that into a strong finish on the recruiting trail. You know, who'd they pick up after that? Hakeem Williams at some point down the line a few months later. Uh, that's what it does. I think had a buddy. Of course, you know, I, I went to LSU. I had a buddy tell me that this feels like LSU's most significant week one matchup since 2011, where they matched up with Oregon and Chip Kelly. And I believe a, a top five matchup there. LSU runs the table. They end up going to the national championship. I think every LSU fan knows what happened uh, there in, in 2011 in the Superdome. So obviously that's going to have a lot of eyes on it. You look what that, that game did last year for Florida State. Right, they kind of rode that wave of momentum throughout the entire season. Now and in the off season as well, Florida State in a great spot under Mike Norvell. A year ago, we were not saying that, Drew. I, I was singing a completely different song. So, well, they were they were kind of quiet during the summer when it came to recruiting. You know, I was at their their big event at the end of July. I hope I got that right. It wasn't June. The the Seminole Showcase, and you, I was at Florida the night prior. Showed up to Florida State, just didn't. Didn't feel a ton of juice, and I think they wanted to wait for the on-field results to speak for themselves. And they, it was a gamble, but it, it it paid off certainly with that win over LSU. A gamble indeed. All right, before we move on to Elite Eleven in Under Armour, Baltimore, make sure to subscribe to the Twenty Four Seven Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Guys, also leave a rating and a review on there. Certainly helps us in the grand scheme of everything. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. All right, Drew, Elite 11, Atlanta. 
Yeah, uh, let me let me put you on the on the hot speed hot seat here. Let's do it. Carrollton High School, you're becoming very familiar, right? That's where the camp was held. I'm thinking about getting a condo down there in Carrollton. <laughs> it can't be that expensive. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You know what I love about it? We call it Atlanta, right? It's called the Atlanta Regional. But if it was the Atlanta Regional, it'd probably be another 45 minutes for me. From Birmingham to Carrollton High School, easy drive. One hour, 40 minutes. And guess what? There's a Whataburger on the way. Well, I was going to ask, did you hit the Waffle House on the way out? I did not. I know you and I did that last time. I think that's reserved for for special occasions. <laughs> Nonetheless, what a facility. Yeah. It's got a full field IPF. The weight room is bigger than some college weight rooms I've been in. 33rd NFL team. <laughs> they got it going on. Okay. So there were some big names there. Um, and you've started to kind of drum this up, and and I love it, right? You had Jaden Davis, the Michigan quarterback commit, five-star for us right now in the rankings. You had Aaron Nolan, who has been discussed at length in this airspace, uh, committed to Ohio State. It seems like from what you have said, our conversations, what I have read, those guys were kind of one and two in line, trading throws all day at, at the at the regional. They competed, and it was a healthy competition. You know, I, I I put that out there that they were trading reps, and it was really Devin Gardner who works for the Elite 11 and Michigan alum, played quarterback at Michigan. He was the one stirring the pot, and then he was so vocal about it, about those guys kind of trading reps, and I think he kind of wanted to see how they were going to react to that, were these guys going to push each other. And, and, and to their credit, they did. It was a hot day there at Carrollton High School. And it just seemed, as the day went on, Aaron Nolan just got better and better. And to me, those those are the type of things that you want to see at these events. And somebody made the point, and it's interesting, even on our own scouting team, I think we all weigh these individual events a little bit different. Right? You're not coming away from this event and saying, wow, I'm so... I'm so convicted on this player. I, it, it's a supplementary data point and a very long process. Yes. yes. And when it comes to Jaden Davis and Aaron Nolan, I mean, we have done our homework on these guys. We are very familiar with them. So you're just trying to take away maybe something different that you hadn't seen before, even if it's, even if it's from a behavioral standpoint, even if it's from body language, how they interact, how they interact with their competition, how competitive are they? What is their attention to detail? How serious are they taking the event? And I came away very impressed with both these guys. Now, in terms of the performance, from an arm strength standpoint, they're in the same boat. Like They are both above average, adequate to above average when you start projecting them to Sundays. But good enough. Let's put it in that category. Now, in terms of velocity, Jaden Davis has the nod there. He is an excellent short to intermediate rhythm thrower. That shows up every time I've seen him. Aaron Nolan, in terms of ball placement, in terms of timing, in terms of anticipation, even working with receivers that he has no experience with is what's most impressive about him. And then when you turn on the tape of Aaron Nolan, that's his game. The intuition. You love the instincts of how he plays in the pocket. He is a quick twitch, 
pocket passer. And what I mean by that, the short area quickness to be able to extend plays within the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, and put the ball on target just about every time. And I brought it up on yesterday's show. I mean, he completed over 74% of his passes last year. He has gotten exponentially better in every category statistically at one of the hardest classifications in the state of Georgia, and he is a winner. 104 touchdowns, 16 INTs. So when you add this up, like let's put our cards on the table. I'm not trying to get political here or put anybody in a box. But from a competition standpoint, we have one guy that is very battle-tested in 31 starts in the state of Georgia. 28-3 and three as a starter. In terms of the frame, he's 6'2 and change. He's still growing there. And I just love him between the ears. I mean, when you meet him in person, you're like, you wonder if it's real. Because it's very genuine. And I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody else, but I just like the way he carries himself. So, listen, we have him at number 55 right now. Jaden Davis at number 28. I said this yesterday. I'm I'm convicted on this. I mean, my guy would be Aaron Nolan. Now, how that's going to play out, we'll see. That's a that's a group conversation, but. Does that mean Aaron Nolan's going to be a top 32 player at the end of the day? I'm not saying that. I just like him for what he is, and I think he's a, a super high-floor, intuitive quarterback that when you drop him in Columbus, surrounded by that talent at the receiver position, he is the perfect facilitator because you know what you're getting. And I said it. Andrew and Mark Pantone, the assistant AD, he came on the show, player personnel from Ohio State. The one quality that they look for that they hold in the highest regard is, is he a winner? And that answer emphatically is yes, right? And that's proven. Now, Drew, if I can keep talking, Jaden Davis on the other side, right? 27 starts, Providence Day, North Carolina. His sophomore year was a little rocky. Now, his junior year, he came out and he delivered. And he took it up a notch. I had some serious questions about him. I saw him in Atlanta last year at the same event. He impressed. I saw him this year. The biggest question mark that I came with him is, I don't know how much physical maturation he has left in his game. He is a high-floor player. He's a high processor, and I think he is going to the best program in the country to help him succeed. I think he is a perfect fit in what they want to do, and I like him there. But I've said this about this this quarterback class. I like it. I'm not in love with anybody. There's nobody in this class that I like I'm in love with. There's guys that intrigue me. There's guys that, yeah, maybe they could put it together and maybe we're having a different conversation here in a couple months when we get to the middle of the season in October. But if you compare this class to last year, I mean, I said it. Aiden Childs for me was what? What was he ranked? Our number seven quarterback? Yeah, he'd probably be. He'd, ha he'd have a legitimate shot 
to be the number one arm in this class. He would be in that conversation. And no doubt in my mind, he'd be number two at bare minimum. So put that in perspective. So I know that was a soapbox, but that's good. me and my honest opinion coming off of the event. It was good. And I want to bring up Jaden Davis's and his resume because you, you, you went in, in detail on Air Nolan, and we have in the past. He's thrown more attempts than anyone in the class on Friday nights, thrown for more yards, thrown for more touchdowns. But Jaden Davis has also started 27 games, 20 and 8 record. Uh, he's thrown 670 pass attempts, 63.6%. Um, and he won a state title last year, right? Was the North Carolina Gatorade player of the year. I think, I think, Coop, you you bring up something that we've been talking about kind of behind the scenes. You know, the gap between Jaden and Air probably isn't as big as the rankings reflect. And again, we'll see how this all shakes out. You know, Air was the only one, correct me if I'm wrong, on, on Saturday that got his ticket to the Elite 11 finals. Correct. I would assume Jaden Davis is going to be there. They've only invited one, two, three, four, five, six, seven arms right now. Usually in the past, it's been 24. I, I would assume Jaden's going to get his ticket once they they finalize that roster. Um, and it'll be it'll be fun to see them duke it out, not only there, um, but in the years to come, assuming they both end up at those schools and you mentioned this i don't know if it was over text uh but i think this does it, it's fair when you see jaden davis in person like he physically doesn't doesn't exactly blow you away right now i don't think a lot of a lot of people in this in this space have have brought that up i mean he's a hair over six foot built like a infielder you know kind of a shortstop second baseman and, and he can extend plays with his legs, but it's not like both these guys we're talking about are big towers in the pocket. They're pocket passers too. I think a lot of people, a lot of people might have the misconception that these guys are, they add more value in the running game. That's not them. It's not what they do. They're good athletes within the pocket. They can extend the play. They can play on the run. They're but certainly they're comfortable there. They're not dual threats. They're not runners. That's not their game. And it's not going to be their game at the next level. So I'm with you. It, you know, I've uh, obviously last night and, and today I've kind of stamped where I stand on on these two. But I think it's it's going to be an interesting conversation. And Andrew, I think for us to pull the curtain back, I mean, we are still collecting information. Now, how much can change over a year? A lot can change on the field, obviously. But for us, like I brought it up earlier in the show because I think it's notable, the Elite 11 Finals is the only time we will see these guys all together competing through, competing through the same event. And I think that's important. Also, from a physical stature standpoint, though, I mean, it, it, it's so evident that it's hard to to not see, right? When you see these guys standing right next to each other and trading reps, I, I, I think that's certainly an important part of the process as well. Aaron Nolan, first game of his senior season. Guess where it is? Carrollton High School. Book your – buy that condo now. You'll be back. <laughs> well, do we want to talk about Carrollton High School next? Yeah. 
Let's get into it. Yeah, I, I was going to move on to the other names. So break, let's start with Julian Lewis. I, this may be the first time we've discussed him on the podcast. He is a um, he's already making buzz in scouting circles, and he's making buzz in in college coaching circles. I've had had that name come up numerous times, and Julian Davis uh, has a chance to be one of the top players in in the class of 2026. And we're not coming out with our rankings for 2026 until. Uh, August, and I know there's people listening, whether that be at work or, or driving, rolling their eyes. We're talking about a ninth grader, but this guy is, uh, he's got the goods. Yeah. Julian Lewis, if you think about him, 14 and one record at Carrollton, if you're just trying to get familiar with him, I mean, what is that, six, seven A ball? Yeah. In I'm, the state I'm, of Georgia? I'm counting all the A's right now. It's a lot of A's. I thought, I saw you put a lot of A's on there. Well, that's this, how they do. That's how they do it in Georgia. They don't. They don't go six A. They spell them out, and then I'm, I'm always sitting there like counting. Is that seven or is that six? Like four or five, you can normally kind of like eyeball it, but I, I legit have to like take my cursor and count it out. I believe that's seven A. I see producer Lance counting them right now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get a text here in a second. Anyway, sixty five percent plus passer. 4,000 yards, 48 touchdowns, 12 INTs. And when you see when you see Julian Lewis, a freshman, a rising sophomore, you could easily put him in the same bucket as a Jaden Davis and Air Nolan physically, and he'd look like he belonged. Right? The arm talent, it's evident. And then you get around him a little bit. He does not handle himself like a freshman whatsoever. And I think that was the biggest takeaway. You just kind of seen like the the psychology of the player a little bit and the competitive temperament. I mean, he's playing for one of the best programs in the state of Georgia. And, and if you're playing for one of the best programs in the state of Georgia, you're playing for one of the best programs in the country. So he was on his home turf. He looked extremely comfortable. And in terms of the performance, it wasn't an elite day by any means, but it was a super solid day. And you're not you're not getting ready to overevaluate a freshman in that setting. Well, I what what I will say about Julian Lewis, Andrew, and I think it's important to note is that like physically similar to Jaden Davis, but Julian Lewis is 2026. The growth potential, like I don't know how much he's got left to grow. Yeah, I've I've heard that as well, and I'm so, go ahead. So, so I guess what I'm saying is, to me, he's he's a perfect candidate for reclassification. He's got a very mature game on the field. He's going to have the experience. And to me, Andrew, we haven't talked about this, but if there was going to be a player that you were comfortable with reclassing at the quarterback position, it would be a guy that would play at a high level that would have those type of snaps from a young age. So to me, Julian Lewis is a perfect candidate for that. Yeah, he threw for 4,100 yards last year as a freshman in the state title game, which they lost, uh, a record 531 yards through the air. That's against Mill Creek, who had Caleb Downs in the secondary, also has a safety going to North Carolina. There's another corner there that I know a few ACC schools love, and they got an a linebacker that went to Clemson and an edge rusher that's committed to Notre Dame. So that was against a, a very good defense. I've been around 
Julian Lewis had a few seven on seven tournaments. He was playing for the Trillion Boys, which are, uh, if you know, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he, he's a name to know. I mean, we'll talk about him more at some point down the line, but I think this was a good little introduction to him. Uh, again, I think it's August 18th. Don't don't plan anything, Cooper. We're we're sending you an hour and forty down the road. I'll I'll, I'll Venmo you some some funds for Whataburger, and we'll get your post game recap on Aaron Nolan versus uh, Julian Lewis. I'm just thinking about you know I'm getting married in twelve days, boys, and I cannot wait to have the conversation with my future wife that I'm leaving on Friday to go see a 2026 quarterback take on. Aaron Nolan and the boys down there in Carrollton, Georgia. At least That's I can what, tell her we got a condo. Yep. Unless you signed up for. Let's go. Okay. ACC, couple commitments. It, yeah, two, two, two arms. Two arms. Get Aaron Philo, Georgia Tech. I like this one, Drew. All right. I, well, kinda, I, I, I described him as kind of like Dylan Lonergan-ish quarterback who out of the state of Georgia who signed with Alabama Crimson Tide this past year. And what I mean by that, similar frame, both very athletic, comfortable outside the pocket. The biggest question when you watch Aaron Philo on tape, it's like how how strong is the arm? Physically, in Atlanta, he surprised me. I'm like, this guy's got a lot more to him physically than I thought. Good athlete, comfortable outside of the pocket. The arm was strong, but the accuracy was even better. Not going to get carried away, but he won the the accuracy challenge for the rising senior group. And all I've been doing is raving about Aaron Nolan. So what is what is what does that say, right? Drew, I mean, the, the other part about him, we know he plays lower Low classification, Class A, state of Georgia. He was offense player of the year there, fourteen and zero at Prince Christian. And then from a production standpoint, I mean, he 69% completion rate, over 4,500 yards passing, 54 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. He had 360 yards rushing. Drew, the most interesting stat that I didn't even note last night on the show that I meant to bring up, threw for five touchdowns in more than six games. So to me, I, I didn't really – expect much but this is a guy that i came away excited about and i'm not saying he's got this huge ceiling but i think this dude's going to be a player and i really like this get for for brent for brent key i was so excited he was there because i've never had live exposure to aaron and you put on the the junior tape and it's to steal a term from you it's fun like he's a gamer that is doing stuff on script, off script, making all types of throws. I just kind of wondered how big he was. And then when you take a look at his recruitment, two months ago, he commits to Minnesota on a visit, returns to Minnesota on an unofficial visit, and decommits a few days later, which is, I mean, I don't have that. I, on, can, add, on, I can add some context to that of a, a theory of what I think happened there. Okay, well, I'm going to say most recruit. That's not on the bingo card for most recruits. So your theory. So my theory, when I was at Cincinnati, believe it or not, Western Michigan under PJ Fleck was rolling. 
in Cincinnati under Tommy Tuberville at the time, Senator Tuberville, who I worked for, we weren't really trending in the in the right direction. We were seven and six, we we're four and eight in his last year before he got let go. We were running in to Western Michigan a lot on the recruiting trail. And there was a lot of crossover. From what I understand, PJ Flex philosophy at Western Michigan, which has not changed, is that once you were committed, you were committed. Yep. There are no other visits. And if you do want to entertain that possibility, then I think that's what leads to the inevitable divorce. So I would have imagined if I would have had to guess here, right? This is all very speculative. Is that conversation was probably had. And he was told, hey, listen, if you're going to open this back up, then this is it. You're in or you're out. It's very black and white. And I think that's that's the way PJ Fleck is known to operate. I've heard there is some there were some distance, maybe concerns about going that far. Can I go off road real real quick and give a PJ Fleck story? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this had to have been, I don't know, eight years ago. It was before I worked at 24-7 Sports. was covering Notre Dame at the time. And this is back when the mega camps were kind of like, you know, mega camps. And it was outside of Detroit. Might have been the sound mind, sound body one. But, um, you know, 2,000 kids spread across eight fields early June. Uh, our, Amon Ross St. Brown was at that camp. I'll, I'll never forget that. Uh, all these different college coaches. PJ Fleck was working for Western Michigan at the time. And I was standing around the Western Michigan staff. PJ Fleck comes up to, I'm assuming his his DPP, some guy in the recruiting department. He looks that guy right in the face and goes, you got 20 minutes. Introduce me to every kid I need to shake my hand with. I don't care. You know, there's some other terms used in there. What you got to do, make it happen. He was just all business. It was very eye-opening to the the PJ Fleck experience in terms of, uh, you know, get the job done and you have this amount of time to do it. So that's my PJ Fleck story. I can't believe he's still at Minnesota. He seems like such a mover and a shaker to me that I thought at some point there would have been another opportunity. His name was hot for a while. He's done very good things up there. I think that fan base is very glad to have him. At least that's the impression that I have. He's done a good job. He's done a really good job in the state of Georgia as well. So it, it doesn't surprise me that the Aaron Philo connection. But a few more things on Philo. Georgia Tech, I mean, I like the fit at Georgia Tech a lot, right? You know, they're not going to get the cream of the crop in the Peach State. I, I think this is probably one of the, the better quarterbacks out there. Maybe he ends up in, in the Elite 11 finals. But they parted ways with a, a longtime quarterback commit. Last week, a few days later, Philo commits and – you mentioned that 14 and 0 record. Philo threw for 4598 yards last season. That's the third most ever in the Peach State. The year prior, he threw for 4500 yards. He ranks 6th. I think he ranks No, no, he's like down in the 12s, but if he th has another se season like this, he could end up topping Trevor Lawrence for the all-time career mark in the state of Georgia. He only needs to throw for 45, I mean, only 4,500 yards again, but he's in the conversation with some of those big time, you know, arms that have come out of, out of Georgia. I mean, T-Law is number one, Gunnar Stockton's number two, number three, 
Deshaun Watson, number four, Jake Fromm. So if he can avoid injury, keep it going, he's going to be somewhere in that top five. There should be some type of sliding scale there, in my opinion. I mean, you know, Trevor hey, Lawrence doing that at Cartersville. Stats, stats are stats, man. Yeah. All right. yeah. We'll revisit that conversation later. Our Drew Miami. Everybody's favorite school to talk about, Judd Anderson from Jones County, number 53 quarterback in the country. Intriguing one here, six foot six, 210 pounds. If you don't know anything about him, played in the wing T offense back in 2021. Double double guy on the hardwood as well, 19 points per game, 16 rebounds as a sophomore, pulling it down. On What'd the gridiron. Think? 15 tuds through the air, 13 INTs, also ran for two touchdowns. I was a little bit surprised by that, Drew. When I when I saw the basketball stat line, I thought that would correlate more to mobility on the field. And he is mobile. He, he's a big athlete that can get outside the pocket, but just more as a runner. I thought there, were, there would have been more production. In terms of seeing him in person, Miami's – I'm curious about Miami's quarterback situation. I like Emory Williams, who they brought in last year from Milton, correct? Yeah, Milton and Pace up in Florida. Your backyard. <laughs> Eight hours away, yeah, backyard. <laughs> Just so you know, my, my one of my friends got married in like Pensacola, and uh, people flew, right? <laughs> like it's not, it's not, it's not a drive. We'll come back to that later. Emory Williams. I like. Is it fair to say that you would put him in the developmental category? Yeah. Okay, if he if he's in the developmental category, then Judd Anderson is certainly there too. Now you turn on the tape of Judd Anderson, there's a lot to like. It's a highlight tape, it's not a cut up, right? So you're not seeing the 13 INTs in the other half of the 56% completion rate, but you're seeing all the things that he can do on a football field. He throws the deep ball well. To me, it, it's interesting. It kind of shows the things that you would categorize as more difficult for a quarterback, he does very naturally. The things that should be easy for him, he struggles with. Now, I, I, that, to me, typically comes back to footwork and just lack of mechanics. And I think that's an area where you start to put the whole puzzle together. Okay, basketball player, that's a plus. Playing in a wing T offense. All right, now this is a guy that's is still adjusting and developing there. You can tell he's he's still growing into his body. He's raw, but there is something there. When we zoom out though for Miami, it is fascinating that in consecutive years they've they've taken two guys that would fit in the same category. Typically, you like to stagger, right? Yeah. We want more guy, we want one guy with combination of a high ceiling and a high floor and then we have one guy because we feel good about the guy we took the year before that we can take a chance on the upside now it seems like Miami has drifted into the same category of two developmental types which makes me think that post Tyler Van Dyke I, this is going to be a team that's going to be involved in the portal I think you're right on Judd I think you can put him and Emory in the same category of big framed developmental 
prospects. I think Emery was what six four, six five. Judd Anderson listed at six six. You tell me, he was probably the biggest kid there on Saturday for sure in terms of height. Yes, absolutely. Now I will say this: my impression of Emery Williams kind of changed throughout his senior season. I do think he is further ahead of Judd Anderson. Like, I do think there's a gap there. Now, Judd Anderson hadn't played his senior year, right? We'll, we'll see what he puts on tape. But the more I saw of Emory Williams, the more I could see where Miami was coming from. Judd Anderson, I like. He, he's got a ways to go. It's like a, it's like a program with a really good room. It's like a luxury take. But that's not the case. I guess that's my point. I think there's a potential for a big payout with Judd Anderson. But I think it's high floor, low ceiling. I mean, you would call it a lottery ticket, which means when you purchase a lottery ticket and there's there's a more than good enough chance that <laughs> you're not going to hit, right? That's like a go get a scratch off, right? You flip it over on the back. You're like, what are my odds to win here? You know, one, one out of three tickets wins. Drew, I want to get your opinion on this because it's not like we are in love with this quarterback class as a whole. I mean, your your opinion on them taking Judd Anderson when they did, as opposed to maybe waiting out the market a little bit more. Go back to last cycle. What I mean, what happened with Miami and Jaden Rashada. You know, from what I've heard, Shannon Dawson, the new OC, loves Judd Anderson. That's not surprising. I think the, the offensive coordinator is going to love the quarterback. I think it was interesting timing, if we're going to be honest. But I like Judd Anderson. I also like Aaron Philo. I said this on the football recruiting show, and I think I've said it here in this space. I like back in February, someone in the industry asked me, "Hey, you know, who are two quarterbacks that aren't aren't getting enough love that are kind of on your radar?" And I said Aaron Philo, who committed to Minnesota and is now committed to uh, Georgia Tech, and I said Judd Anderson who's who's committed to Miami. I think with Judd, the tools are there. I think he's got to get better at processing, being an on-field reader with the decision-making. But man, if, I mean, it's going to take some seasoning, right? Maybe some refinement, but there's a chance. And you said it, like, it seems like Miami is going to be in the market for a transfer portal quarterback at some point. Don't forget they got Ja'Curry Brown there as well. Dynamic athlete, runner. He got some run as a as a true freshman. I I still hold out hope for him. I, I like his skill set, so we'll see. Quarterback recruiting under Mario Cristobal, it's been interesting, to say the least, even even going back to his time at, at Oregon. You know, we had Ty Thompson when we were there together, and, I mean, the board that we had was – a lot of interesting names on there, I'll say. But, you know, two of the, two of the guys that he took before that, I mean – Jay Butterfield, that was Marcus Arroyo, who's since transferred out of Oregon. I want to say Cale Millen as well. One of the Millen brothers, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Another transfer out. Inherited Justin Herbert. Tyler Shuck was another guy who came over. Flip from North Carolina, right? Flip from North Carolina. And then he brought in Anthony Brown from Boston College. And then there's Ty Thompson, who there's still some hope for, but he is not yet to see the field with, with the arrival of Bo Nix. So 
I got my eye on on Miami's quarterback room and, and how that plays out. I mean, Mario's done a great job everywhere else. You know, like he's bringing in some elite talent. So that's the room that's got to click. Our Drew, only uh, 55 minutes in. <laughs> Any Anything else on Elite 11 Carrollton? Yeah, I want to talk about um, – I want to mention the name because I think it's important. But the kid from Tampa Catholic. Trey Trey. Hayden, Hayden, right? I don't have him on the rundown, so I'm shooting from no, the No, that's hip. fine. Yeah. Let's just go with one of those, right? So we have our our bases covered. This guy looked like Nikola Jokic out there. Big body, nimble, you know, six foot two plus, maybe six foot three. Listed at six three. He was stout. He had to be 220 pounds. Strong arm. Threw the ball well all day. Natural, competitive. He's got some stuff in his neck in terms of the ball placement and the accuracy. I mean, he was one of the more consistent ones. I left coming away from that one being like, all right, this might be a plan B, plan C guy for a lot of guys. Maybe he ends up in the G5. He's got some physical traits. So from a CYA standpoint, I just want to make sure we talked about him real quick. Well, I'm supposed to be at his game on Friday night, knock on wood quarterback for hopefully he delivers tj Moore, but uh i had a college text me about him this morning and i said oh cooper liked him (laughs) at the elite 11 so yeah i don't think he's got any p5 offers yet but there are some schools sniffing around cooper liked him no response (laughs) (laughs) like they're they're like who yeah exactly that's my favorite on twitter who's that guy who's that guy who's that guy saying all those things We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. All right, Drew, Under Armour Baltimore recap. Got to go rapid fire here. Yeah, I hate to to do it to you. Might have to be rapid fire season, though. All right, I'm going to tee you up. Dylan Jones, top 247 running back, number eight running back in the country. He's got official visits set, Wisconsin, Florida State, Maryland, Virginia Tech also involved. This has kind of been a – he's been an interesting one because I know I'm kind of the outlier on him. I tell you what, if there's one position that gives me fits, it's it's running backs. I went back and watched him this morning. So interested to to get your take of what you thought about him live. Yeah, I knew there was kind of some back and forth split opinions. He's our number eight running back right now showed up to the brand new Under Armour World Headquarters there in Baltimore. I thought Under Armour, I I was surprised, but they have built a a stadium and I guess they're going to build a village around it. Um, I got in late Saturday night and uh, that's besides the point. I, I actually took a scooter to the camp. That's a first. Didn't rent a car, Ubered, scootered, scootered, Ubered to the airport. Pretty fun. Uh, but Dylan Jones, you know, it, it was it was a strong camp of, of mid-skill players, meaning, you know, running backs and linebackers. Usually when I'm at these 
you know, that that's the group that's the hardest to watch. But I saw on the roster, I knew the names, and I'm like, all right, just with how the Under Armour camps are, are kind of formatted, there's a lot going on. But I'm like, I have to make it a priority to watch this, this group and their one-on-ones. And I thought Dylan Jones was clear-cut best runner or route runner when it came to the running backs. He's explosive. We haven't got the testing numbers yet from the camp. Saw him run the three cone, which is a drill where you got to change directions. And, you know, I think it's a good indicator kind of for the running backs. And he had to have had one of the fastest times there. And uh, I came out of there a a, a big fan of him. Um, I would love the fit at Wisconsin. I would love the fit at Florida State. So excited to see what direction his recruitment goes in. And then on the plane ride back, I was just kind of digging more into his profile. Finished fourth at State's. In, at the state wrestling meet in the 175 pound weight class, not a lot of running backs that are also wrestlers out there. Uh, but there was one in, in the most recent NFL draft. Evan Evan Hole out of Northwestern was also a wrestler taken in the fifth round by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, explosive guy as well. And I think with Dylan Jones, if you're wrestling, you know, got to cut weight. Basically, what I'm saying is I think there is some growth potential there. I think he's going to be able to tack on some more mass and and be able to be a little bit better between the tackles at some point down the line. So I thought he was awesome. Um, didn't have much exposure to go on besides the tape, but came out of there, and I, I'm a fan. Right now, currently, just watching him again this morning, I have, a, have as a day three guy. So I think round four – Round five is probably where he ends up. Um, good football player. In between the tackles, inside runner, shiftiness. You can question the long speed and the top end speed and maybe the separation quickness at the second and third level. Outside of that, I mean, the way he plays the game, you talked about the wrestling background, the physicality on on, on contact really good balance and body control. There's a lot to like about him. He's a high floor player. He's going to contribute. I think he can give you some run on, on special teams early too. Yeah. Well, we always say it running backs, the easiest position to play as a true freshman. I think he's a guy that could be in the rotation in, in 2024. Drew a couple other names at the linebacker position and a couple of guys that I think we were pretty, we were pretty excited to, to kind of get a pulse on, right? Yeah. We, yeah. We can go rapid fire here. Okay, Chris Jones, number 21 linebacker in the country. Aaron Childs, number 10. Chris Cole seems to be everybody's uh, darling right now. And then Gabe Williams, number 22 linebacker in the country. All these guys from the DMV area, your thoughts? Well, we're trying to stack them, right? That's what we're trying to do. You watch the tape. We're trying to figure out, all right, what are these guys? Christopher Jones, you mentioned him. I've heard some schools kind of view him as an as an edge player, like an edge rusher, more 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 than a linebacker. I don't know if I see that coming out of this camp. He was the best in in the pass coverage one on ones, um, physical. You know, using his hands, uh, broke up a few of them. I, I like him. Gonna he's got officials set up to Florida on June second, Georgia on June sixteenth, Penn State, Virginia Tech also involved. I think the Gators are the crystal ball leader. Um, I think he's the most complete in terms of uh, well-rounded, as I should say, right? Like can do a little bit of everything. Um, 
Aaron Childs, our number 10 linebacker, he's a true inside guy to me. I think the same thing some people have brought up. Hey, is he maybe more of a edge guy long term? I, I don't think so. I think he moved well enough. Um, Michigan leads on the crystal ball. I, I think he that would be the perfect fit for him uh, at Michigan right there in the middle. He's also going to take trips to Maryland, Florida, uh, and he's likely going to announce a decision in July. I mean, he's already interested to see what he's going to weigh. I think he's already 230 pounds, kind of top heavy, but he was good. You brought up Chris Cole. Yes, he is. He's uh He's our, our boy Hudson Standish is what recruiting crush. Didn't he say that was one of his guys? Someone we made a four-star before the camp even started. We did that last week, show up, and I'm like, all right. Thankfully, we did this. Chris Cole, two-way player for Salem in Virginia, which played for a state title this past season. His wide receiver tape is, is, is fun, uh, but he's a decorated hurdler, and that athleticism showed up on Sunday. Uh, Coop, he is, he's got a unique build to him in terms of he's got really long legs. He is high-hipped, um, and he can he can fly. I thought he was good. Interesting nugget on him related to Rohan Marley, the former Miami uh, linebacker. Rohan's dad is obviously Bob Marley. Um, so I uncovered that as we were talking on the sideline. Super nice kid. He's going to official to Maryland, Florida. Oh, wait, no, I got that wrong. Notre Dame. Miami and Penn State in June. I know Miami's got the heat cranked up on him. Not surprised. Penn State and Notre Dame are also involved. And then the last one I'll talk about, Gabe Williams, um, who is our number 22 linebacker. He's a bit of a beanpole, right? He is very narrow. I think we still don't really know what he is. I was hoping he'd be a little bit better in in one-on-one coverage. To me, he's a guy where you have to have a, a role for him in your defense if you're going to take him because the question is always going to be how big can he get. I've compared him in the past to Eric Gentry, who's now at USC, the big like six seven linebacker. Gabe isn't that tall, uh, but they're similar. They kind of move similar. He's going to official to Duke, Virginia Tech, and then I wrote Duke twice, so I don't know what the other one is. But USC, the Trojans, are also in there. If I had to stack these guys. I think you go maybe maybe Christopher Jones, Aaron Childs, one, two, Chris Cole, third, and then and then Gabe Williams, fourth. But I, I do think if you're a linebacker's coach, a defensive coordinator, easy trip into B, BWI, and then you can just see all those guys. Like that, that seems to be a nice little pocket of linebackers. And what's interesting because, you know, in my notes on on Jones and Childs, I was trying to figure that out. Hey, are both these guys going to be 34 outside linebackers? Yeah. I do believe both of them are 220 pounds plus. I don't think I don't think Jones is that big. And again, we haven't got the measurements, but if he is, then he can play. I think play that's it. a previous that's a previous measurement. I'll have okay. to go back and double check that, but I mean, it, to me they also both have significant s- snaps off the edge as well. Yeah. So they're either throwback inside backers in a three-four that are just downhill, or that's they what can I think, give you some edge presence as well. That's what I think. Childs is more so. I like Childs for what he is. I think he's one of the best high floor inside backers in the country. Kind of yeah. reminds me of Jordan Hall a little bit. I could see that. 
You're talking about the Michigan State? Michigan State played at IMG. And, and as you said, I think fit for the Big Ten, right? Michigan leads on the on the crystal ball right now for for Aaron Childs. So Chris Cole, Andrew, it seems like he's he's a little bit of the wild card. It seems like the more that we learn about him, he can he has the potential to climb the board. Uh, yeah, we'll see where he slots into the upcoming top two four seven update. But he is a true three down linebacker, and when you see him in person, you're like, all right, how physical is he? You put on the tape, and he's a face-up tackler that's going to put his his mask right into someone. Reminded me, I texted you guys all, uh, of uh, uh, the Marion Overshawn, right? Texas linebacker, drafted by the Cowboys, I think, day three. Uh, former safety, same thing with Chris Cole. He has just gotten closer to the line of scrimmage. So a name um, to know that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, Chris Cole. All right, Drew, a couple – receivers and maybe one in the athlete category uh before we get out of here jonathan paylor right now south carolina leads on the crystal ball he's the number 23 athlete in the country he's got ov set up to clemson to start off the summer in june maryland as well nc state and then south carolina is the last one which if you're reading the tea leaves it's always a good thing to have the last visit there south carolina lead leads on the crystal ball as well Correct. Yep. And then Alabama receiver Rico Scott, number 41 receiver in the country out of the state of Pennsylvania. Drew, interested to get your thoughts there. Elijah Moore, number 94 receiver. Don't tell Ohio State that. He's got an OB set there in the middle of June. So, Drew, you're, um, you know, I got to brush up on, on Scott and Moore this morning. Have some level of familiarity with Paler, but y- your thoughts on those guys. Well, Paler, he wasn't on the camp's roster, right? Like, he no idea he's going to be there. You're standing there watching drills, kind of. They were doing like routes. It was cool. Uh, Some former Ravens receiver, now I'm drawing a blank on who it was, and I I will look this up. He was was the one that was coaching him up. Give me me an uh, older Ravens receiver, um, kind of a stud. Steve Smith. No. Derek Mason? Torrey Smith. There we go. Producer Lance. Bam. Torrey Smith. I think he was the one that was doing the drills. And uh, But anyways, Paler, or as I referred to him as Black 44, because he was he was with the wide receivers wearing a black jersey. He ran one route. I'm like, who the hell is this? Uh, it, he was that explosive. And uh, one-on-ones got underway. He made some plays. Actually, the one-on-one session cut short. Uh Someone broke their ankle, straight up snapped it in the corner of the end zone. I hope that um, it was a younger athlete. I hope he's okay, but they had to cut it short. I always hate that, man. Nasty injuries. There was one that was last... in one-on-ones, you said? Yeah, just came down on the ankle wrong. I will say this. Um, when we were in Europe, Germany last year, when I covered that event, same thing happened. It happened in one-on-ones. And then I remember when I was at the University of Washington, they were doing their best, that coaching staff, to phase out one-on-ones because of the feedback that they had gotten from their sports science department that that is where the most significant injuries have occurred. So like cost-benefit analysis, it's pretty it's pretty interesting to see like, you know, the, the vantage point of some of these programs. And I'd be interested to dig in, dig in on that a little bit more. I get why you want to do it, right? But <laughs> this close to the season, last year at Miami's elite camp, 
a kid like straight up snapped his fibula. I heard the thing. It was, and he ended up coming back and, re- and recovering, but yeah, not, not ideal, but uh, back to Paler. Is he a receiver? Is he a running back? I don't know. I think he's just kind of a utility man. Um, really good track profile on him. Some guy that, that needs to climb back up in our rankings now that we've gotten the live exposure. Uh, big fan of him. South Carolina, I think they could get creative with him, but he can go. Rico Scott, you mentioned him from Pennsylvania, our number 41 ride, wide receiver right now. Committed to Alabama. I think when he, he picked the Crimson Tide, it was – it was a bit surprising to some people. He was the first receiver in in line in every drill. You know, one of those guys, I'm not sure if he's he's got one elite trait, but he seemed to do everything really well. I get it for Alabama. Uh, I, I like I like Rico Scott. And then Elijah Moore, not the one that's in the NFL, different Elijah Moore. Um, he is a, a, a 50-50 contested catch machine kind of a wild card you know what is he going to be how fast is he got a basketball background um and then we learn out the camp he's going to take an official visit to ohio state this summer and it's like okay i can totally get this it's kind of like the big perimeter playmaker not surprised heartline wants to gather some more information on him um and he, he kind of reminds me like a little of like noah rogers just not as productive he's an interesting one i mean uh... Watching him, he's not as – I don't think he's got the speed, the athleticism, the burst or explosiveness or of a Noah Rogers. And I know you're not saying that. To me, the when you dig in on him a little bit more, he was taller than I thought. Yeah. Like verified. I mean, he's six foot four plus and change. He's got good ball skills. He's a little – he's not stiff, but he's not – super sudden in and out of his breaks. So you said it. I mean, he's he's a big perimeter 50-50 pass catcher, and he's got a little something to him. You know, I, I like him. I think there's more to him than – Yeah, I don't think he's refined in any way. No, not at all. And you saw um, the you saw the clip on his highlight tape where he makes like the one-handed snag. Like you're like, whoa, okay. Like, he where- can chirp a little bit too on tape, at least from what I've seen, which I like about him. Um <laughs> All right, Drew, one more, and we'll get out of here. Michael Van Buren, number 23 quarterback, set to announce on Saturday right now the Oregon Ducks, 24-7 sports, crystal ball favorite. That would be their second quarterback of this class. Drew, what uh, what do you think of Michael Van Buren? I like him. And then I went and I watched his Elite 11 stuff. He did the regional out in Oregon a few weeks ago. Um, I think he's a guy that's been pretty debated in the rankings, right? We're the only ones that have him outside of our top 247, top 300, top 250, whatever you want to say it. I mean, he is, uh, he's under six foot. I think he's got a loose stroke. I think he's accurate on the move, explosive lower half, kind of like with Jaden Davis and, and air Nolan, like you would think, all right, he's like a, a runner, but he's not right. He can create in inside or outside the pocket. But he wants to be in the pocket, right? He wants to go through his progressions. I think he's he's at his best when he's throwing to twenty yards. You know, when you when you go downfield, I think the ball can die at times. Um, but there's something there, and I've been searching for a player comp for Michael Van Buren. Kind of reminds me of like a little 
little Casey Thompson. I see some Casey Thompson in him, who was at Texas, now at Nebraska, going to finish his career at Florida Atlantic. So we will see what happens with him. You you brought up the interesting quarterback room at Miami. What about Oregon's moving forward for Dan Lanning and new OC Will Stein, who comes over from UTSA after uh, the run they've had in recent years? Last cycle took Austin Novosad. Now you got Luke Moga, potentially Michael Van Buren. You know, what does life look like post Bo Nix? You got Ty Thompson in there too. You know, to give him credit, it seems like Ty Thompson is is going to wait it out with Bo Nix and, and didn't jump in the portal when he obviously could have. Um, I like the talent makeup of Thompson and Novosad. I think they're they're different. I think Novosad is a guy that after we saw him at the All-American Bowl, we, we thought is going to need a little bit more time to develop not only as a passer, but physically as well. So I like those two. In terms of the arms that they're taking in 24, I needed to do more research on, on Van Buren, admittedly. Um, I don't know. It's a far it's a far cry from Bo Nix and what you thought you were getting in Dante Moore. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. So, I, you know, the other part about this is like Oregon a year or two from now, like they're built, they're built to win. They're built to sustain. I think they're going to be one of the most attractive programs in the country in terms of quarterback market. And you see the success that, that Bo Nix has had there now. You know, is that going to change now that Kenny Dillingham's not there, right? And it's Will Stein. We'll see. But, I mean, if Bo Nix has a season like he had last year, I was talking to some people in the NFL, man. Bo Nix, I expect a wide range on him. There's some people that thought that he could have been the the fifth quarterback taken off the board. You know, which I think would have would have put him in day two, right? So who knows? If he plays well this year, maybe that conversation's a little bit different. Maybe he elevates in that top thirty two range. But point being, if you're a quarterback, I can see why Oregon would be a destination spot because you're going to have a roster that's ready to go. Feels like Georgia <laughs> with what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. I know. For the social team listening out there, please don't aggregate that. We don't need that. We don't need that. All right, Drew, that's all I got, bud. Anything? 12 days, man. Are you ready? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. You know, it's crunch time. Um, Fiance and I right now are discussing a move, whether or not to move to uh, headquarters there in Nashville. So outside of outside of uh, getting married here in twelve days and tying the knot, you know, there's a lot of a lot of balls in the air, man. So trying to figure it all out. But Drew, are you coming? I can't. I knew the answer to that. I just wanted to get a verbal no on air. <laughs> How many people do you have coming? It's like 500. 350. 350. Any VIP guests? No, maybe Mario would take his PJ in. <laughs> uh, no, it's funny. I mean, all, all the people that I worked with in football, like there was people that are close friends of mine that I told them straight up, hey, I'm not going to invite you. 
because uh, I know you can't come. Like I've been in your situation before. I know you're not going to be able to hack it. So no, there's there's not anybody there that you know is going to wow you. Maybe I don't know. Pate Pate is a maybe. He's a fifty fifty. He's a toss up. I told him he can't wear a white plain white tee. You know, so maybe maybe that deters him a little bit. But no, there's 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 nobody there that's you know no wow factor. I guess. And then Chris right Peterson. Into- Chris Peterson's in Portugal, which I told I, I said, hey, that's a it's a valid excuse. I get it. Enjoy retirement. So this does. So are there people in football that are going to have visitors that weekend? Yeah, it's interesting. There, there are some people that are coming, you know, I friends from Oregon, friends from UCLA, friends from Georgia, friends from, you know, there are people invited all over the country, Pittsburgh, Montana state. I mean, you name it. Um, a well, lot of people. I mean, I worked at what six programs in like seven years. The reason I ask is, like, the calendar is just ridiculous now. Like, there's still transfer official visits going on like every single weekend, every weekend. So I will say this: my phone still rings via text with people that contact me and ask about the transition into media. And that's guys on the player personnel side. And I got a text two days ago that said, watch the burnout rate here over the next three to four years in college football. That's an indictment of the NCAA just being one of the most tone-deaf institutions ever created. Zero clue whatsoever. Anyway, I mean, I get it. You know, like the other thing we don't talk about, there's no cap on official visits. Now you have players can take as many official visits as they want. Like that, that was a good thing. It used to make these guys have to come to the table and figure things out. I don't understand. I don't understand the benefit of that whatsoever. It makes zero sense. All the, those five official visits, everything is paid for. I don't get it. Some of the some of the moves they make just make zero sense to me. Like I don't I don't know who they benefit. Oh, we got to wrap this up. But the last thing on the un- unlimited official visits. Now you got the transfers. Like, do you know how much money that that costs? I mean, you know. But to to bring in guys over and over and over and over again, like that that's five grand grand a dinner. It's a lot of money. You know, remember when that article came out about how much money Texas had to spend on Arch Manning's official visit? Yeah, it was like half a million, right? And I remember, like, you know, they brought me on the show and being like, hey, what would you think about this on the college football recruiting show? And I'm like, it's actually pretty interesting coming from Seattle because that's nothing they did is, like, outside of the norm. It It looks luxurious. But they do this for every recruit not named Manning as well. It's a lot of money. It costs a lot. It's not financially efficient by any means. You know, so not that anybody's worried about that. I'm just spitting out there. All right, guys, uh, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple, like we always talk about. Big wedding coming up in 12 days. So what that means is, Drew, I think I'm out of here. I'm out of here for a while, huh? Two weeks? Yep. 
week of the wedding, also the honeymoon, St. Lucia. Shout out if you're in St. Lucia. Come find me. I'll be there having a couple of Modellos. Um, Drew, that's all I got, baby. You ready for tomorrow? I'm ready, dude. I got I got to drive. Hour, yeah. 21 minutes. I'm going to approach the rest of my day with a great visual of you on a scooter and a tank top. FAU Owls, baby. All right, for producer Lance Glenn, director of scouting Andrew Ivins, I'm Cooper Zagna. Thanks for joining us. See you tomorrow.